0: All right, well, welcome to our 930 service today. My name is Chris Fry. If I hadn't had the opportunity to meet you, my wife Megan and I get to lead an incredible team, staff, board, dream team, over 200 people serving in the health fair, and all those haircuts ministered to all those people, except for that one kid who had really long, pretty, flowy locks of hair, and he did not want a haircut, but his mama wanted him to have a haircut, and his mama said, put it on a one and clean it up, and that poor hairstylist with tears in that boy's eyes was looking at that mama, are you sure, and that boy cried, and that hairstylist made it happen, and he made it through the day, but hey, listen, his mama was ministered to, come on, somebody, (laughs) you got that's... <laughs> Look at him hide his face anymore. He's ready for school. Hey, you know what you did yesterday, and what we do as a church is really, we exist to meet people and grow closer to God together, and I believe, as Pastor Weston said, that we are sowing into this community. We are sowing into the gospel all around the world, and we will sow. Be sure that you know, my God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man shall sow, he shall also reap, and we are sowing into this city and the surrounding area and i believe for god to continue to bring a great harvest of souls into his kingdom that is what it's all about that is why we are here and listen if you came uh because of the health fair yesterday we're so glad to have you if you're a guest with us for the very first time you are in the right place because we have all at one time or another let our big fat mouth get in the way It has happened, and God forbid, could continue to happen to every single one of us. We are not trying to be better versions of ourselves. That's part of the objective, but we are trying to become more like Christ. It is our vision to grow closer to God together. In the midst of this series, we grow closer to God together. Listen, one of the main ways that we do that, is through our small groups and our freedom groups. I love what we do on Sundays. We invest a lot into what takes place on, on, in our weekend services. But there's not a lot of relationship formed amongst the body of Christ in rows in a sanctuary. We believe that relationship is formed in circles, in small groups, and freedom groups when people begin to live life together. So this afternoon, as mentioned in the announcements, if you've ever led, co-led, hosted, or you are interested In leading, co-leading, or hosting a small group, we're gonna have a meeting in the student center this afternoon at 5.30, thank you, Pastor Dylan, at 5.30 this afternoon. I know some of you are like, man, I can't do that. I don't know if I can do that or not. Listen, we're not asking you to have a Bible college degree or a master's in theology. We're just asking you to consider inviting a small group of people along in your journey as you learn how to become more like Jesus. That's all the small group is. That's the purpose of the model. So join us for that. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6 as you're turning there. We have people who are able every week to log in with us live online. I know my babies and my parents are in North Louisiana this morning and and I was told that they were gonna log in. I don't know if it's this service or next, but we also have every week the opportunity to stream our services into the Eunice Correctional Facility so that our brothers and sisters in Christ can grow with us there as well. Could you just do me a huge favor and make sure all of them know that they are welcome and we're glad that you stopped and took time. The presence of God is not limited to a place. He wants to meet with every person. Luke chapter six, verse 45 says, what you say flows from what is in your heart. In this series, we've talked about the power of words. We've talked about um, the, the sin of complaining. And we understand that our mouth is really just a speaker for what's in our heart. So here's the good news. If we can get more of Jesus in our heart, then he will filter with us what comes out of our mouth if we'll let him. Even the things that we're around that we don't really like. You're gonna hear some of those things today even the atmospheres that we're in that we could have done without. If you will spend enough time in prayer, in God's word, in a small group, growing in your relationship with God, and you will get enough of Jesus in you, then he will begin to filter and sift the things that don't belong, replace them with the things that do, and what you say will be a reflection of who he is. And that's the objective of this series, is very simply to think before we speak and speak life. I wanna designate really quickly, last week we talked about complaining. And uh, very clearly, you can go back and listen to that message, very clearly, complaining is a sin, okay? It's compared in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to sexual immorality, to lust, to idolatry, to tempting Jesus Christ himself and then complaining. This week we're gonna talk about criticism, okay? Complaining is black and white. It is a sin, no questions asked. Criticism is a little bit different. Uh, Criticism can be directed at an individual or a specific situation. And criticism is not, in and of itself, evil. Criticism could actually be constructive. Criticism could be used to learn uh, a lesson or, or show a teachable moment to a child or maybe even a staff member, maybe even a pastor. Teachable moments are not necessarily evil. Criticism becomes sinful, hear me, when it is excessive and insensitive. Let me say that again. Criticism becomes evil when it is excessive and insensitive. So in other words, if it's all you do and you do it with the wrong heart, your criticism could turn from constructive to destructive. There's three things that criticism could be birthed from and maybe even they criticism could be producing. Those three things are number one, arrogance. Criticism could be birthed from arrogance. Criticism can produce arrogance. We look down on people who are not like us. We don't sound like us, talk like us, dress like us, grew up like us. Uh, They have a different accent than us. Hateful people. (laughs) Could look down on someone because they're different and, and ultimately it will cause an inflated idea of ourselves because we're arrogant about who we think we are. Number two, it could cause insecurity or it could be birthed from insecurity. Listen, nowhere in scripture does the Bible say that we should be self-confident in anything. In fact, self-confidence in scripture is compared to pride and arrogance. But there are a lot of passages about your confidence coming from who you are in Christ. So my confidence is not in me, not a better version of Chris, but becoming more like Jesus. And the more time I spend with him, the more confident I become in him. But if I'm insecure, I may have a tendency to be more critical because it's easier to put other people down and feel better about myself. It's easier to critique others than it is to be convicted on my own. Number three, it could just be a lack of gratitude. could be birthed from being ungrateful. The opposite of being ungrateful is obviously being grateful. It's appreciating the people around you, the job that you have, the spouse, the loved one, the children. You know, there's nothing like empty nest syndrome to remind you that you should not criticize your children as much when they're in their house. Nothing like a little time apart to help you remember how much you love the person that you were complaining or criticizing nothing like a funeral unfortunately to remind us and to show us how grateful we actually should have been of that individual while we had the time to be with them instead of being critical this morning I want to give you a different option the problems with criticism is it doesn't tend to be constructive If it's given in love and and it better serves someone, and by the way, here's the question that you can ask. It's not in your notes. When you go to criticize or you begin to give a constructive critique, maybe correction or coaching, you need to ask the question, am I doing this because it better serves me or am I doing this because it better serves them? In other words, am I correcting my children because I'm mad? Am I correcting my staff because I'm mad? Or am I correcting them because it better serves them to be corrected? There are some places and times where you need to have a conversation, where there is a critical critique that needs to be made. In other words, simple illustration, if I see something in one of our staff members, in one of our elders, in one of our board members, if they see something in me, no matter how uncomfortable that conversation could be, I need to have that conversation with them. I need to go to them in love with care and concern and point out the area that they may be operating in that is going to destroy their trajectory if we don't have a conversation. But at the same time, if I don't do it with the right heart or I do it incessantly, what could have been used to improve actually ends up causing insecurity in them. I'm talking today not about constructive coaching or correction, I'm talking about belittling, nagging, destructive, excessive, always critical people. And some of you are thinking, thank God in heaven I should have invited my boss to church today. I need to call my mother-in-law and tell her to watch this live. I hope my spouse is listening to this all the students are thinking mama open your ears okay listen it's not what I'm talking about today okay don't use the word of God to deflect the conviction of God onto somebody else instead today let's use the word of God as a mirror to examine our hearts and see if this is inside of us Galatians chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 it says the whole law the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is apparently pretty important because it's mentioned in the Gospels and then Paul takes the time to make sure that we notice that it was mentioned in the Gospels. Verse 15, but, but, you can't do that You can't do this all-important, all-summed-up act of the law, you can't do that if you're always biting and devouring one another, if you're always bickering and belittling one another. In fact, he says, watch out. This is a sign. Beware of destroying one another with what you say and the heart in which you say it. Let me ask you a question. What if the words coming out of your mouth are causing your children to build walls in your ability to influence them? What if the words that are coming out of your mouth are causing your friends to not wanna be around you? What if the words that are coming out of your mouth are actually destroying your ability to be a witness and the only influence you have is with people that don't know you. What if, my bad, (laughs) the only thing that you are able to accomplish is working inside of yourself because you have no influence with anybody else because the words coming out of your mouth are destroying the intimacy in your marriage. Let's evaluate today. Let's beware of destroying one another. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says some people make cutting remarks. Some people use rubbing alcohol to clean the wound, which actually ends up causing more nerve damage, by the way. But the words of the wise bring healing. Some people just use that scary looking stuff in the ugly brown bottle that really doesn't sting at all. It's called hydrogen peroxide. You just pour it on the wound, it bubbles up and your kids still scream because they're scared (laughs) of that bottle. Wouldn't they need to just put it in like a nice translucent green bottle, you know, where it looks inviting and comforting. Why use alcohol to try to clean a wound when you could just use peroxide and actually bring healing. The words that you say can be cutting and breaking people down, or or they can be healing and building people up. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupting talk. Listen, this is not a recommendation in Scripture. This is a requirement for a child of God. Paul writes this as if there is non-negotiable Principles taking place in this passage. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Only such as is good for building up. Listen, you can use criticism to build somebody up, not break them down. You can show them with the right heart and the right attitude. You can coach them out of the mess that they're headed in. The gospel doesn't have to be heartbreaking, gut-wrenching at all times. It could be the motivational, inspirational, life-giving message that pulls someone out of the depth and sets them up for their destiny. You get to choose, not just with what you say, but even how you say it. But no corrupting speech, only what is good for building up and fits the occasion. Why? So that the person that hears it may receive grace. So that it would give grace. You have no idea how much your criticism can hurt somebody you have no idea how much your cutting remarks could leave a possibly eternal mark. But at the same time, you have no idea how much just one single word of encouragement may change the trajectory of that individual's eternity. If we would just take the time to think before we speak and then speak life. I've heard stories of People coming up and growing in the Lord and they quit serving God because of things that people said to them. They stopped going to the house of God because of something that they heard somebody else say about them. They can build up or they can break down. Let's be those who give life instead of taking it and breaking people down and hurting people. Deuteronomy chapter 30 it says, today, I've given you a choice, a choice. Here's our choice today. We can be a fault finder, which is death and darkness, and we're always looking to hurt somebody, or we can be a hope Giver, let me show you just a little bit of a difference. Um, when I was a child, my mother—I remember this—even um, though I was, I was only two or three at the most, four years old. Okay, I was maybe nine, ten. My mom would rock me. Uh, don't judge me. And she has my my mother has long, pretty. Still to this day, long, pretty. Thick hair. My, if you want to know what my mother's hair looks like, and you can look at my sister. I mean, she is made over my mother in uh, every good way, and and I would play with my mom's hair. It's just one of the things, which is why my wife has really long, thick, pretty blonde hair, and I'm always messing with her head, and she's doing the thing, at the thing, and so I just do that. My mom would rock me, and she would sing to me, and, and, and I was very personable as a child. Believe it or not, um, I I, I not normally if I thought something I went ahead and let you know whatever it was that I was thinking and uh, and and at the same time uh, I had my dad was he was kind of critical um, he would actually you know we would like go to the fair to make fun of people like and if you want to see some entertaining folks let's just go out to the fair it's just a it's a good place to Find a laugh if you were looking for that, and that's what we would do. when I was with my mom in the grocery store one time, and and I was singing the songs that she would sing me. You know, na 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 na, hey hey, good night. You know, we would do that. No, that's not how it goes. But I'd be just walking na 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 na, but like two or three years old na 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 na, and I'm sure it was that good. Hey hey hey, goodbye. And they like, man, that kick us. No, nobody said that. Uh, <laughs> when we get up to the line and we're putting the Put my mom I'm not but uh my mom is putting the stuff in the cart she's not really paying attention to me and this man comes up behind me and uh my aunt was pregnant at the time and I turned around to this man and I saw what looked like a baby belly I mean it was it was a food baby but it was still looked the same in that moment and I I turned around to that man and I I patted on his belly and I said uh you got a baby in there you know and <laughs> And my mom turned around and looked and saw that man. She's like, Christopher, you know, cause that's what she called me when I was in trouble. And uh, what is it? I'm so sorry, but she was just mortified, you know, like I don't even know if she paid for her groceries, she just grabbed me and got us out of there. But whatever it was, fast forward, I'm a teenager. Remember, that was critical, but I wasn't being ugly. I was just making a critique. Fast forward, I'm a teenager. My dad had kind of taught us to laugh and and be critical and find faults in people. And, And we walk into church, and I was a teenager. My little brother, Marshall, he was about the age that I was in the last story. And we walked in, and there was this man that came in. He was kind of pompous. He was kind of bloated, and uh, he had this in his attitude and his, anyway, so he had a tie and a suit and a tie on, and he was proud of himself, you know, he was at church that day, and he came walking in, and apparently he had given a lot of money or had his name on a pew or something, he was obviously important, and he knew it, if you wanted to know, all you had to do was ask him, that's funny, and so we we're standing there, and, and, and Marshall, my little brother, he just barely talking, he goes, huh, he turns around and looks at this guy, huh, Daddy! and that man looked at him and and he did it and he goes (laughs) looked at the man, looked at daddy (laughs) he did it like three times my dad was like I'm so sorry I don't know where he gets that from (laughs) and it's funny unless the people around you are really learning to be that way because they're reproducing who you are and most of the time That's what people have a tendency to do. Do our family members and our friends and our children, do they hear us finding fault in one another? You always leave the cabinets open. You leave the toilet seat up. You have your clothes out all the time. You're always on my side of the bed. Get off of my hair. Stop breathing while you're eating. (laughs) It's just a, do they hear that? Now listen, (laughs) It's a choice that we have. And thank God he gave me a son that I can now blame for leaving the toilet seat up. It's obviously Gabriel's fault. Look, he still hadn't even learned to get his hands out of his pants when he just walks around in front of people. He obviously let the... That's funny. He's five. Don't be weird. It's okay. (laughs) Fault finding. Am I frustrated with people or am I fulfilled by the people that God has put in my life? Am I criticizing and critical incessantly or do I look for an opportunity to give credit? Um, There's some names of the fallen angel Lucifer in scripture. Some of those names are the great deceiver, um, the father of lies. The Bible calls him the prince of darkness and uh, the one that probably rests the best here in this message today, the Bible says he is the accuser of of the brethren. He's the accuser of God's children. He doesn't look for opportunities to affirm people. He looks for opportunities to accuse, to break down, to cause insecurity, not bring affirmation. You know, I've never met an individual that was a critical person that I wanted to be like. I've never met a critical person excessively arrogant, critical person. And unfor- unfortunately, I've met a lot of them in church. In fact, I believe I, I even have a tendency to be that person if I'm not careful. I wanna be like people that are more like Jesus. I know I pick a lot and I have fun, but it's one of the things I love about my wife. There are, there are times that I see things in her personality and I'm like, man, I just, that's how I wanna be. I wanna be approachable. I want people to share their life with me. I, when I start speaking, I want them to know that they're gonna hear the voice of affirmation and inspiration, and even if I give correction, it's just gonna be given so sweetly that I'm not even gonna get my feelings. So I'm like, man, she just cut me. I just feel good about it. That is so. How does she do that? Now, on the same token, the Bible says in Proverbs twenty-one, nineteen. And guys, listen, I just really recommend that you keep your head straight forward right now. Don't look around. Keep your elbows to yourself, okay? The Bible says, this is scripture. Don't get mad at me. This is the word of God. The Bible says it's better to live alone in the desert than with a, don't amen, careful, miss, than with a quarrelsome or complaining wife. The, uh, the JMV, that's the jerk male version of the Bible. <laughs> if there were a scripture for men right here, it would say this, it would say, it'd be better to have toothpicks shoved underneath your toenails <laughs> than to live with a husband that picks you apart every time that you try to do anything than to be around a father or a grandfather or a supposed man of God that never gives affirmation no matter how hard you try. Are you you gonna be a fault finder? Are you gonna be like Jesus? Today I've given you a choice. Blessing or cursing, life or death. Am I gonna be a fault finder or number two? Am I gonna be a hope giver? When people see me coming, what do they think I'm gonna give? What do they expect to get from me? I've just considered how many people I've hurt by cutting remarks instead of being wise and bringing healing with the things that I say. I get constructive criticism. I understand. And it needs to be given when it's in its proper place. But there are times that my babies don't need another constructive criticism. They need affirmation. They need encouragement. They need hope in the midst of their hurt and that's what Jesus did you know at the end of this series and as we continue on in a more I don't have an objective of being a better version of myself I just want to be more like him I just want to be more like Jesus that's all I'm doing I don't mean to look down my nose at people I don't mean to be ugly I don't mean to be critical it comes out of me sometimes I get it but the more that I become like him, the more influence I have in leading people in the right direction and Jesus gave hope. He gave correction when it was needed, but he gave hope in the midst of hurt. He gave healing in the midst of brokenness. Romans fifteen thirteen says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit convicts and the Holy Spirit corrects. Yes, He does, but He also empowers and He gives hope and He builds relationship before He ever sets down rules. He decided that I deserve His time and His presence despite where I've been. Romans 8 is filled with these promises. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Spirit helps me in my weakness when I know not what to say. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, intercessing on our behalf. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, present or future, powers, height, depth, or anything else in creation can separate you from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord and God works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose it's who he is he's a hope giver first Timothy chapter one calls Jesus our hope for the sake of those Titus chapter two Jesus is called the blessed hope not just for the day but for the tomorrow second Peter chapter first Peter chapter 1 says, Jesus is our living hope. So we can be like Jesus and give hope, or we can be like the Pharisees and find fault. The Pharisees bring this woman caught in the act of adultery, and many of you know the story, and they throw this woman who they just pulled out of the bed with another man, the sixth man actually, and five others were not her husband. I'm sorry, that's the woman at the well, but they threw her down at the feet of Jesus And Jesus looked at them and they looked at her and these Pharisees found fault in her and by law, she was supposed to be stoned. And Jesus, instead of standing up on his high horse because she's dressed differently or she's lived differently, Jesus got back down in the dirt from which his human body was created. He didn't care what she dressed like, what she smelled like, what she sounded like. Well, they can't expect me to walk up to them wearing that outfit in church. They ought not be talking that way in front of me. Get off of your high horse. You're not Jesus. Get back down in the dirt from which you were created and let him build you up and him give you a place to belong. Jesus knelt down in the dirt and some scholars think that Jesus began to write in the sand and most believe that he wrote the sins of the Pharisees. I tend to go over, and these are all assumed, nobody knows what he wrote, they just know that he wrote something that made him leave. I think maybe he started writing the names of the mistresses of all the Pharisees. And while Jesus is down in the dirt with this woman writing, Sarah, yeah, get out of here. That's what I thought. Then he writes, Molly, who am I talking to? Yeah, you better get back. And he nails back down and he just writes name after name and one by one they go away. The fault finders begin to find their own conviction instead of criticizing other people that aren't listening or haven't had the opportunity to to hear and Jesus in the dirt with this woman says woman where are your accusers where'd they go and she looks up for the first time she says Lord there are none and he says neither do I condemn you go and sin no more I breathe hope I gave you a way. I want to be like him Instead of giving criticism and being like the deceiver and the accuser, I want to give credit. Instead of giving criticism, let's give God credit for being able to transform even the least of these and use Him for the sake of His kingdom. Let's give God credit for what he's done before, what he's doing currently, and what he continued to do, as long as we will think about what we say and speak life. Your child may not be the most tidy, but maybe they're compassionate and sensitive. Maybe they're more thoughtful. Maybe they, they have giftings. They were created by the hand of God. Your spouse may irritate you, but you need to remember the love that you had for them and the reason that you married them and stop letting the deceiver steal from your destiny. Whatever it is and whoever it is. Teenagers, I know your parents may get on your nerves, but I really believe that they have the best heart for you and you need to remember that at the end of the day, there are students all around the world that wish they had what you have. So instead of giving criticism, Give credit. Ladies, you might not win Yard of the Month, but if he's out there sweating, just go tell him, man, when you take a shower, I'm gonna give you a hug. (laughs) Whatever it is, today I have given you a choice. Accuser, deceiver, liar, or the way, the truth, the life, the living hope that we have as an anchor for our soul. Let's give credit. Last scripture, Second Corinthians 13, Paul says, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Whatever that looks like for you. It's probably gonna happen through relationship because ministry always comes before accountability. Do you hear me? You always have to minister to someone before you ever earn the right to hold them accountable. You have to establish the relationship before you ever earn the right to give the rebuke unless it's given very carefully and cautiously and under divine unction of the Holy Spirit because mercy always triumphs over judgment every single time paul says be joyful and grow to maturity get engaged in a small group where you grow closer to god with other people encourage each other and live in harmony and peace then when you do your part then the god of love and peace will be with you and people will drive miles and miles to be a part of a life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ being breathed through the children of God. Would you close your eyes and bow your head with me this morning. Father, right now, for all the followers of Christ in this room, I pray that you would help us to examine ourselves, help us to ask the tough questions. Who could I give credit to today instead of being critical of this week how could i be more affirming than i am accusational god how can i grow in this area speak to my heart right now lord right now for every person in the room that is not following you i pray that they would sense the conviction of the holy spirit the conviction of a loving god that gives hope in the midst of their hurt And God, that even in their brokenness right now, they would sense that this is a place that they belong, in the presence of God, with the people of God, walking out the will of God. If you're in this place right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've never received salvation, you've never asked for forgiveness, you've never confessed Jesus as Lord, If you're in this place right now, and maybe you have at one point, but you know that your life does not currently represent a follower of Jesus Christ, you've drifted away, and today you want to commit or recommit or really commit your life to Him. We want to pray for you before we close. So right now, with nobody looking around, if you'd like to be involved in that prayer, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus or give your life back to Jesus, with nobody looking around, I want you to lift your hand and say, hey, that's me. Please include me in that prayer. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Don't be self-confident. Confess him as Lord. I see you. I see you. I see you. Praise God. Anybody else? I want to confess Jesus as Lord today. Right now, I'm not ashamed. I lift my hand and say, that's me. This message is for me. I need the hope in Jesus Christ for an anchor for my soul. I need Jesus. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. Church, if you would, I want you to confess this prayer out loud with me. For all of those that raised their hand and even for those that didn't. Right now. We're gonna pray this prayer out loud together. If you raised your hand, pray, confess, call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray this together. Jesus, Jesus. forgive me for all the areas I've fallen short. I believe you paid the price for my sin, my attitude, my criticism, my complaining, everything in my heart that doesn't belong You were raised from the dead so that I could live. So right now, I'm asking, take my life, make it yours. May I follow you with all of my heart. May the words I say and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, my God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him praise this morning.